Hello and welcome to this episode of the Midnight Narwhals podcast. This is a podcast where today I'm telling a story to my friend, James, who is very shy and that's all that we'll hear from him this entire time. So yes, are you at the spelling bee right now? No. The, okay, so I'm watching him via Zoom. We do this over Zoom. Sponsor. Every time he talks, he like leans real close to the microphone and backs away. Like It literally looks like the 12-year-olds who are on the National Spelling Bee. The fact that I know how that looks, I think, makes me a nerd. It says more about me than it does about anyone else. So I should probably have told you this before we started recording. I took two NyQuil PMs before, <laughs> before this. <laughs> Because I have a really bad sinus infection. Which okay. You, so uh, I should be pretty fun this episode. But yeah. We might uh, make this the new standard. <laughs> For those of you that don't know me personally, I don't have a great drug tolerance. Andy knows me very well and knows that I don't have a great drug tolerance. I This makes me so much more excited for this evening. Wonderful. I can't wait to listen. Oh, yes. This will be wonderful. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't like pick up on it before and during our, pre, our pre-recording conversation. Well, but, I mean, yeah. stuff was interesting, but you weren't necessarily loopy. But you'll get there. Yeah. Probably pretty soon. So this will be good. We'll see. We will. I don't really have anything to plug. No new movies? Oh, no. I meant like movies that you were in. Like your Oh, no, no, no. No, I've got a sh- couple shows coming up um, mm. for some my new stand-up routine. Like my kids' a- bedroom is, uh, is where we do the shows. Oh, that's and, uh, nice. It's a very limited, exclusive audience. Yeah, I'm sure they My three-year-old because she laughs at all my jokes. Oh, nice. Oh, I have a, I have a joke. I have a joke. Okay. What? Well, I have two jokes. Depending on how the first one goes, you can <laughs> tell me if I get the second one. What's it called when an orphan takes a selfie? Oh, gosh. A family photo. No! <laughs> do, I get, do I get the second one? Can I, can I, take, can I tell Just the second one? do the second one. What, what do you call James Bond when he's in the bathtub? Bubble 07. I hate that I laughed at that. <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of those. those are... <laughs> like, I genuinely hate that I laughed at that. <laughs> yeah, those are good. <laughs> Anyways, so our story today probably begins sometime between 1503 and 1506. Wow, taking it taking it way back. Old school. Yeah, pre-Reformation. Yeah. What do you know about the early 1500s? Just in general, like geographically, where are we speaking? Um, Europe. Europe, 1500s. Um, well, uh, not my favorite era in, in history, if I'm being honest. Um, it's kind of boring, in my opinion. Like, yeah, there's some... Because you're not in like the Dark Ages or the middle, medieval period, but you're not quite in like into the new world. Yes, like it has been discovered, like... P- People are sending, you know, ships out across the Atlantic, but still it's not quite this like, oh man, we got to colonize and colonize and colonize. Like that's still about a hundred years away at this point. I don't think the plague is happening right now. I think that's well past, right? But yeah, it was always kind of like the boring part of my history classes when we'd speak about this, this stuff. Like there is some in like some philosophical writings that i've i had to read from this era i think anyway um okay john locke is that from is that from the 1500s or is, is he later don't look at that attachment yet oh okay i'm glad you said that because i yeah. i was about to yeah i mean it was europe it was uh dirty 
and crowded. <laughs> People were throwing pee and poop out into the streets in buckets. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Really, the if you had to put the early 1500s into a historical category um, in terms of sort of ages, we would call this the Renaissance age. The Renaissance. Yes. So this is the time when the four Ninja Turtles were becoming famous. Oh, yeah, Leonardo. Le Leonardo. Am I saying that right? You are. I am. Leonardo. It sounds, it sounds weird to say that word. Donatello. Uh-huh. Raphael. And did I already... Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Thank you. I almost said Donatello again. Yes. So... Oh, yeah. How could I forget Mikey? He loves pizza and saying dude yeah you just described all four of them yeah but mikey likes them the most yes he does early 1500s time of the renaissance and beginning in the year 1503 leonardo da vinci began to work on the image i just sent you is it the mona lisa that you sent me open up the image i can open up the image you because can open up the you image said now. it says painting jpeg i have to download it fun all right open file yeah good old mona so mona in 1503 Lisa. that's why you were making fun of my eyebrows Boom. earlier got it obviously the expectation that i think we should have for literally anyone who is old enough to listen to this podcast and begin to comprehend the things we're saying they should immediately have a picture in the head of what the Mona Lisa looks like. Who doesn't have a picture of what Mona Lisa looks like in their head? Like, it's probably the most famous painting in the world. It I is. I feel like any anybody should be able to just conjure that up in their heads. It yeah. is, without question, the most famous painting in the world. It is, as of 1966, uh, there was an insurance evaluation that was done on the Mona Lisa because they're like, hey, how much would it cost to insure this thing and it was valued at that point at almost one billion dollars one billion dollars yes yes one billion dollars for wow. a painting of a chick who doesn't even smile that great no she's you know it's fascinating to me how much it has been written about and talked about the smile the person all of it. And yet she's not even that pretty. Code? No, she's not. She's like, she's like a six, maybe. Yeah. That was mean. You can, you can On a good day. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> this is gonna be a fun one. <laughs> I'm already, like... On a on a good day, I already don't have a great filter, and when I'm high on on cold medicine, it doesn't it it takes the little filter I do have and just is like let me put this down for a little bit. So that was mean. I'm sorry. You shouldn't rate women on a scale of one to ten, but you can when they're did. in historical paintings from over five hundred years ago. Okay, then, I yeah, think that's like okay. A six. Ethically. She's like a six on a good day. For the 1500s. She's like a Henderson six. That's an inside joke between the two of us. <laughs> you have to take cold medicine every recording. Okay. Mona Lisa. He started making it 1503. In 1516, 
Leonardo da Vinci was invited by King Francis I to move to France and continue to do his artsy stuff there instead of in Florence, Italy. Hmm. At that time, much like it is today, artists moved to pretty much wherever the money was because they had to survive somehow. And yeah. during the Renaissance, it was all about finding the right patron to pay you while you work. Now we just have Patreon and that pretty much covers all that for us today. And it's believed that Leo took the Mona Lisa with him and continued to do kind of tiny refinements all the way up until the year 1517 when he could no longer use his right hand his right hand literally just became paralyzed which i did Game not up. know he's like hey i'm done yeah he's like okay i'm it's finished on, now with everything it's on it's all on you lefty like i'm just gonna dangle here that sucks but okay so he started in 1503 it's 1517 so he's been working on this painting for 14 years yes i I would not have thought that by looking at it. Well, it's it's believed because they're like he didn't keep a whole bunch of records. Like he wasn't. Yeah. Like he took like he kept a lot of records. Let's be real. Like you know of all his sort of fantastical designs for the future and all that sort of stuff. But in terms of like, I'm working. Like there's not a diary necessarily of him. Like this is what I did today. And so I thought it's, there was like insane like manuscripts that he would like write backwards and oh like, yeah and in and inverted that you'd have to like hold up a mirror to be able to read and stuff i also can't imagine sitting still for 14 years <laughs> while you're waiting on a painting well now you know why her smile was so small mm, like you try to hold a big just... smile for at least for even three years you're gonna struggle yeah. no but i just believe he did wow. pretty much like the majority of that over the like the first like first year or two years and then was constantly going back in and, and making small changes and especially like working on the background behind her um, necessarily even more so than actually her she's gonna change over time also like if he's adding and taking away all that like all this stuff over a 14 year period she's not gonna look like she's gonna look like a total stranger by the end of the picture if that's what you're editing. So I guess it makes sense that he was working on the background for most of that. Yeah, that's that's the assumption that exists. Like really, especially once he moved to France, like there really wasn't much happening. However, there's a lot of historians who believe he was still working on it in France. At some point in the 16th century, after Leo's death, uh, there was a varnish that was applied to the painting to try and protect it because already even early on, it was recognized as an art of subliminal beauty, that there's something special about this painting and so to protect it they would put varnish and lacquer and all kinds of stuff on top of it to try to keep that paint from peeling off now it was kept in the palace of fontainebleau there's unfortunately a lot of french in this story and i am really bad at pronouncing french names butcher it they suck they can't oh, even win I, a world war they are they are gonna feel it today yeah i can assure you of that but it's kept in the palace of fontainebleau until king louis the 14th moved it to the palace of Versailles. Nice. It stayed there in Versailles until the French Revolution in the 1790s. And then the year 1797, it was placed on permanent display in the Louvre in Paris. So it's at the Louvre since 1790. 1797. Since 1797. Wow. I didn't know the Louvre was open that for, for that long. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. That's yeah. one of the fascinating things. Like, I think we miss a lot of this sort of stuff here in America. Yeah. There's, yeah. We don't have the us, history. No, for us, our history is, you know, less than 300 years, which, I mean, is cool. Like, it is history. Like, there mm -hmm. are a lot of great stuff happened in. But before that, it was just a bunch of woods. Like, honestly, that was it. And, like, some natives that 
didn't keep records you know like they not to the extent that was happening over in europe mm -hmm. which is a result of like yeah like civilization humanity started over there and started expanding outwardly like this and i, I say like this like they can see me like um yes like this this motion he's doing with his hands yeah if you um, all watch closely you'll you'll understand yeah. that giant ocean <laughs> really really made a massive difference in in how quickly things expanded where and the fact that there's this huge shift really to where globally now i'd say the united states and just north america in general is like at the top for most of earth's history it was europe that was the place to be that was yep, where europe, was or china happening. in europe and certainly china and the middle east and also there are, are places in africa where there is history that is thousands of years old that's really cool like i, I like i remember i went to rome once when i was a, a young teenager i mean it's crazy when you're looking at stuff that is a thousand years old how is this still here like what were they using to build this stuff out of like this is not yeah what and so there's history that we just don't feel or get to experience here in north america unless you're going to some of like the mayan ruins in mexico is about the closest what we get in north america and i'm not even sure yeah, and even built. most of those are in central most of those are central yeah. american and south exactly. american and yeah like they're old um some of them we don't know how old predate uh, plenty of stuff in europe again there was so little progress made there compared to i mean it was like a like they call it the new world because it was legitimately like that like what we would think of like going to like an alien planet essentially like mm -hmm. is very much what they were encountering like oh absolutely when they were coming across and and colonizing here that's insane so so the the paintings there at the louvre for uh 1797 1897 1997 so 200 plus years it's been in the same building i mean i did use the term permanent display however i use the term permanent kind of loosely here okay because at some point in the early 1800s it was removed from the louvre and was placed in Napoleon's bedroom. Oh, well, yeah, because <laughs> the, the French Revolution happened. Um, uh-huh. And Napoleon, of course, would do that because, of course. <laughs> it's Napoleon. Yeah. I wonder if Hitler did that. I mean, they occupied France. Did they do any I know they did a lot of crazy stuff with art, and a lot of art was lost because of them. But The Mona Lisa was not messed with during, oh. during the occupation of france wow. in the 1940s so okay so napoleon had it for a little bit but other yeah, than so that napoleon basically slept with mona lisa oh and yeah isn't that gross yeah. like oh but like he just that was in his room every morning every night that's the face he sees yeah that sucks yeah now once he was ousted from power it was moved back to the louvre where it stayed forever Ex except that during the franco-prussian war of 1817 and 1871 it was moved and placed in the Brest Arsenal which is a collection of naval and military buildings in the French city of Brest. That makes sense because clearly during a war the safest place to keep something is military buildings since museums are so often the targets in war. I yeah like there's strategic <laughs> targets but there's also like 
hey, I hate you so much. I'm going to blow up something that is holding hundreds of years of your culture. I'm going to destroy it and decimate it. Like Not in the late 1800s. I mean, we were getting there. Like It was like, beginning to happen, but not like national warfare wasn't that way yet. Like this is before I, World War One, when that sort of animosity truly built. Like this is when they were like, go into war is the gentlemanly thing to do. England burned down the White House in the War of 1812. Like there Which was had plenty almost of... no history. No, but it was still like it. It was what it was going to be. Like it, and yet, like it had been kind of before, but not for long. But like they knew that hey, this is it's it wasn't. Simple. Yeah, like it's like the palace. Like it doesn't matter mm -hmm. how long the king has been the king, the palace is the palace. Like yep. So yeah, like I think I I disagree, but I I mean I I understand, but like I I would say like I would move it. Like I wouldn't put it in the Louvre. Like I would have I would have moved it, um, but. I feel like the Louvre would have been safe in that era. However, mm. keep it, put moving it to the Palace of Versailles, less safe. Sure. You know, like overall, okay. Now, during all this time, the Mona Lisa was not widely known to the public. In the 1860s, there was a large group of the French intelligentsia that considered it a masterwork of Renaissance painting and sort of revered it as such. But really, the common folk in the majority of the world weren't even aware it existed. Yeah. Like it was just another painting in the museum. And that's all it was. The Mona Lisa, like genuinely, like it wasn't even the most famous painting in the, the gallery that it was in, in the Louvre. Yeah, I mean, because culturally speaking, it wasn't what, like the world was a lot smaller than and less interconnected. If I mean, you, were you certainly weren't sending pictures around. Sure. And if it was going around, like there was, you know, Europe, I, I forget how interconnected Europe is, but still, this is before the EU, but still like it's all together. Like Europe put together is smaller than the USA. So, mm -hmm. but also travels crazy. I mean, we addressed that in previous episodes. It's, but like still, I, if you were French, I bet you knew what it was. History was happening around this painting. And so I can imagine it's part of it's like, yeah, it was revered because of of Da Vinci, but part of it's like, you know, everything that Van Gogh painted was pretty much hated before he died, and then he died. Oh, yeah. And then history happened, and it's looked back, kind of like a cult film. Like, oh, man, like, dude, like, that film sucked. It bombed at the office. But, like, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World did not do great off, but it's a great movie, and it's loved by a ton of people. It's a cult classic. So I could see that happening. Like it was kind of like a sleeper, like good painting. Like oh yeah, this is a this is a good painting. Like yeah, like it's got some history, but it's not like amazing. It's not the best. Two hundred years later, oh my gosh! Like yeah, this is this is one of the best. <laughs> in the world we live in today, mind blowing to be like, how is this painting not revered above all else? Because today it is. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that, like, when you think of Renaissance paintings, that's what you think of. When you think of famous paintings, that's what you think of, period. It's on all the pop culture. It's in all the t-shirts, on the postcards, you name it, Mona Lisa's everywhere. And it wasn't even the most famous painting in its gallery at the time. What else was in its gallery? I don't know. I didn't look uh, all that up. Other but, it, but it really of, wasn't. like it, of, it, of sad women? I guess. Maybe it was just bowls of fruit. However, the Mona Lisa's destiny and fame was forever changed in 1911. Are we going to talk about, are we going to talk about like capers? Like, did it get stolen? Oh, yes. Like, yes. All right. Yeah, we're now in official heist mode. Yes. I love heist. On Monday, August 21st, 
the French painter by the name of Louis Beroud. He is a uh, pushy still life artist. He set mm. up his easel to paint in the gallery that the Mona Lisa was contained in. And once he got everything set up, he realized that one painting was missing. And he was pushy and very needy and was looking around like there's space on that wall, which I should have said that in a French accent, but I cannot do a French accent. And so there's space he, on that wall. There is no space on that wall. Uh -huh. So he, he really looked and was like, oh, I know what's missing. It's the Mona Lisa. However, I can't do my painting, which was a painting of this part of the Louvre. So he was like really inceptioning his painting. Like in his painting, he has paintings of other paintings. Oh, wow. And so like literally he was just like, I am painting this part of the museum with the paintings in it. And so he's like, hey, guards, uh, where's the Mona Lisa? It's gone and I need it to really do this still life painting. And the reason he asked the guards and where it was, he wasn't alarmed because at this point, the Louvre was taking its pieces of art up to the roof to get pictures of them. So they, they were basically going through this big project to get pictures of all of the paintings. However, most cameras of that time at 1911, they didn't take great photos indoors. Like you needed that really strong outdoor lighting in order to get a really solid picture. Okay, so why is it I'm not allowed to take an iPhone camera picture of the Mona Lisa, uh -huh. but in 1911, you could take it with one of those old tiny cameras that basically gave you cancer every time a picture was taken. Why is that acceptable? But And you're bringing it outside on the roof. Yeah. And it was still a almost 200-year-old painting. Well, well, let's see, 15, 16. You're at 400 years. Yeah, it's an old painting. But they just didn't realize. They had no way of knowing that mm. those cameras called can caused cancer because they didn't know. That's why they were still using them. Three years later, boy, my hand had these weird lumps on it. So he really wasn't alarmed. Louis was like, whatever. Like, when are they going to be done with this? So he convinced the guard to go up onto the roof. And the guards came back like, um, bro, the photographers don't have it. And at this point, after it had been missing for 28 hours, people finally realized that the Mona Lisa had been stolen. And all of a sudden, the Mona Lisa became world famous overnight. Like the window's gone. Like, isn't it, isn't it like a 24 hour window for like missing persons and things? Or is it like, is that 48? Um, they didn't have these profiles set up back then. Sure, sure. But like in today's world, isn't yes. it like the first 24 to 48 is the most important and crucial? Absolutely. Wow. Okay. I had like I had like <coughs> thought something had happened to it before, but I never dove into this. Like I I really like art, but not necessarily this type of art. Like I'm a big like Norman Rockwell guy. He's my favorite uh -huh. artist. I'm intrigued. Keep talking. What's fascinating to me, and to really drive home the point that this was not a famous painting, is the museum was open to visitors for an entire day, and no one realized it was gone. <laughs> This is a nice bit. You can't even hide it. You couldn't even hide it. Like, let me put this in my giant overcoat. No, you still can't. There's, you would literally have to walk out with it. Like, just holding the painting. Yeah. Okay, okay. So after the Louvre announced the theft, newspapers all over the world ran headlines about the missing painting. The New York Times headlines read, 60 detectives seek stolen Mona Lisa. French public indignant. The heist turned into something of a national scandal, partly because already in France, there was a great deal of concern and talk that American millionaires were buying up the legacy of France and all of their best artwork. 
Because at one point during this kind of early on, American tycoon and rather well-known art lover, J.P. Morgan was suspected of commissioning the theft of being that rich person at the other end who's trying to get that artwork for himself. Yeah, the benefactor. Also at this time, tensions were escalating between France and Germany before World War One, And there were people who suspected the German Kaiser was behind the theft. And let's be real, he was kind of a crazy guy, so it's not that far out of the reach. No. The Louvre was closed for an entire week for investigation. French poet Guillaume Apollinaire, that's super not how you say either one of those names, I'm sure, he came under suspicion and was arrested and imprisoned. Apollinaire was like- On what grounds? Just because he's a French poet. Just, suspic just suspicion? Like, hey, hey, why do you look so weird? Wow, okay. While in prison, he was like, bro, it's not me. I promise it's not me. I know I'm, look, okay. Yes, I admit, I got a rap sheet. You know, my girlfriend, yes, she stole two statues from the Louvre previously. <laughs> I don't know why you'd come after me, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's reasons for them coming after him. Okay, yeah. You should have led with that. You should have led with that, because at first I'm like, yo, they're just hating on this guy because he's like look weird and suspicious and he's just there but you should have led with <laughs> a man a man's girlfriend had previously stolen two statues he was brought in under suspicion of stealing um the mona lisa well That's i like I the surprise that, but... factor to it yeah the statue's hard to steal too like who's <sighs> okay there was no laser security at this point there wasn't didn't have video cameras and there was yeah i understand that but still, people have to see, which, like, I'm all about, like, like, if you'd want to, like, and I say this all the time, if I'm ever doing something that's, like, I, I could possibly, like, get in trouble for, I'm always, like, confidence is key. Like, if you look like you're supposed to be doing it, then, like, people aren't going to question you. I guess that was the game back then. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just taking this up, like, out to dust it or something or, like, move it. Well, I don't or, think you even like, had to say anything. You just do it. Yeah. And people were just like, oh, wow, he's got that statue. I guess he's he's doing something important to it. Like, yeah, he's probably supposed to be doing that. That's how Nick Cage stole the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. While in prison, Apollinaire was like, bro, I promise it's not me. I'm clean on this one. But you know, I think I know who's who's really behind this. It's like, because this is the guy that I sold the statues to. You might want to look at someone named Pablo Picasso. Picasso? Huh, like the Pablo Picasso? Picasso was brought in for questioning for stealing the Mona Lisa. He was exonerated for this crime. How does he... <laughs> I mean, he's got motivation. Man, I mean, have you seen Picasso's work? He draws this lady with like four eyes on the same, on one side of her face. So I'm sure he was like, I'm sure he was just interested to see how Da Vinci did it. Like, man, how did he paint this picture of a human looking woman? Well, I've got like shapes and, and junk thrown on a canvas. Like, he's just trying I to give her eyebrows. Looks like a woman. Like, yeah, that's probably <laughs> it. She needs some. Actually, dude. fun fact, she was originally painted with eyebrows. But they faded or like... They faded and during the years when it was cleaned um, before modern technology, because mm. there's literally writings, people even talk about the detail of the eyebrows and how realistic the eyebrows looked. So they existed, but they're gone now. We're going to switch gears for a second. Okay. We're going to stop talking about Pablo Picasso, and I want us to start talking about Vincenzo 
Perugia. Sounds Italian. It is. Oh. He was born on October 8th in 1881 in Dumenza, Italy. Now, as the case as it is with people who are not born into great wealth, we know nothing about his early years. Basically, what we do know about him is that in 1908, he moved to Paris and began to work as a handyman in the Louvre. All right, so he's got, he's got access. Now we just need motive. He's got access. One of his jobs was to design and build the glass cases that protected the artwork on display. Not looking good for you. <laughs> Vinny, you are getting more and more suspect as uh, as the facts keep rolling in. And at some point, he did stop working at the museum. We don't know why, whether he was fired or whether he decided to go seek other employment, or maybe he was just like, I built all the cases that you need. Now, what else do I do now? Uh, we don't know why. And he took up doing, well, we don't know exactly what, but we do know he was arrested a few times while in Paris. Okay. He went up to really anything good. So while we might not know a whole bunch about him, something that we do know about Vincenzo is that he's a hardcore patriot who loved his home country of Italy. Mm, Italia. Italia. I mean, and think about it. Italy used to be the center of the world. Rome brought civilization and order to the tribes of wild people all throughout Europe. Da Vinci is from... He is from Italy. Oh, why does the painting get to stay in France? He's got motive. There's his motive. You got Rome. Then all of a sudden, after Rome, Rome, you have Roman Catholicism that basically ran the world, where the kings of all the European countries were basically bowing down and doing whatever the popes told them to do. Yeah. There was wealth and renown. And by the early 1900s, Italy was nowhere near those lofty heights of the past, nor nope. near the heights of their current contemporaries. Newer countries like Germany were popping up and becoming very, very important. France and England continued to have expansive networks of colonies around the world that provided resources and labor to fuel their empires. Italy, not so much. And Vinny really wanted to do something that would help restore Italy to its former greatness. I mean, here he was living in France, one of the biggest powers in the world, and he knew Italy could, couldn't compete. And all of a sudden, an idea popped into his head. He's going to steal the Mona Lisa. On Sunday, August the 20th, he dressed as a Louvre employee by wearing the white smocks that they all customarily wore, and he hid in a broom so, closet overnight. Comfortable location. <laughs> And at 7.15 in the morning, he emerged like a butterfly from a cocoon, walked over to the Mona Lisa, plucked it off the wall, carried it to a nearby staircase that was only used by employees, and removed the wooden painting from its protective case, which he built. Yeah, he built. Uh, <laughs> too easy, Vinny. Too easy. And yeah, I said wooden painting because the Mona Lisa is not painted on canvas. It's painted on wood? It's painted on a panel of poplar wood. Oh, wow. Interesting. So truly, you can take it out of the frame. Yeah. But, but it's, it's still the same size. You can't minimize it. No. It doesn't get smaller. Okay, now I'm looking up how big the Mona Lisa is. <laughs> it's a lot smaller than you think. Oh, well, I mean, it's still. So two and a half feet by one feet, nine inches. That's still... Like, yeah, like you're not concealing that though. No, it's not fit in your pocket. No. Okay. That's like two laptops wide or yeah, by. I like how you tall. gave the actual measurements and then decided those weren't good enough. And so you then are trying to quantify it in laptops. Well, most <laughs> that's people. A, that's a normal, a normal unit of measurement. Dude. 
I work with a tape measure every day I'm on uh -huh. the job. An inch, I can picture an inch in my head. I can picture a foot in my head. I can picture that in my head. Most people can't, and it's really pathetic that people can't read a tape measure. And I try to put so it into- So on your clients, when you're describing how the blinds will look to your clients, you give them the measurements in terms of laptops? No. <laughs> The laptop thing came because I'm currently looking I'm, at one. I'm currently, yeah, currently looking at a laptop. That's and fair. I'm high. So the biggest problem in Vinny's plan came when he tried to exit the stairwell out into a courtyard. Finding the door locked, he placed the Mona Lisa, which was now wrapped in a white sheet, placed her on the floor and tried to take apart the doorknob. And he was really, really struggling with that doorknob. He didn't come with a screwdriver or really any tools at all. And he was he was having problems when all of a sudden one of the Louvre's plumbers appeared on the stairwell. Oh no. However, rather than apprehending him or raising the alarm, the plumber's like, hey bud, there a problem? And then he's like, yeah, like bro, like this door, like I left my keys somewhere. <laughs> You know, you know how it is doing, you know, like when you're totally an employee of the Louvre and you're just trying to get out of this door, like in a hurry. A plumber's like, oh, bro, yeah, I got you. The plumber's like, hey, I can help. Pulled out some of his tools, got the door open. And so with a friendly thank you, Vinny just walked on out of the Louvre carrying the Mona Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> the most famous painting in the world is wrapped up in a white sheet. <laughs> it's like a movie. Like it's seriously straight from a movie script. Well, alrighty then. After making off with the painting, the 29 year old stashed it in his apartment in a wooden trunk with a false bottom. So one of those like- a Wooden press... painting in a wooden trunk with yep. a false bottom. As a former Louvre employee, he was questioned about the theft on two separate occasions, but police never considered him a serious suspect. Bro, he's got motive. <laughs> He's got he's got access. Frenchies are dumb, man. He deserves the painting. So I kept the Mona Lisa hidden for two years while he waited for the heat to die down. And I quote from him, he said, I fell a victim to her smile and feasted my eyes on my treasure every evening. I fell in love with her. <laughs> it's a painting, dude. It's a painting. <laughs> Who by this point it's doesn't have eyebrows. It's not even a picture. It's a painting. Oh, he and Napoleon. Dude, get a girlfriend or something. Like, it's France. Like, it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be the country of love or whatever. Like, you're, you're in Paris. Virginia. You're in Paris. Virginia is for lovers, but Paris is the city of love. Oh, okay. If there's a Paris, Virginia, then oh, man. oh my gosh. All the love. All the love is happening there. Don't, don't even go. It's disgusting. Mm, it's too much love. I have, and maybe it's because we have pictures now. And like, I don't know, like we, I was gifted a painting as a wedding gift and it is my least favorite wedding gift. I can't imagine <laughs> looking at a painting and being like, oh wow, I am in love. Is it with, with her or with the painting? He said, I fell in love with her. But she's dead, like. Super dead. She's really dead. Maybe bones left if she was buried good. Like, that's so sad. That's so sad. Cause like, you've got a cool job. Like you stole, you're an art thief. Like that's pretty cool. I mean, you don't tell people that, but like, I don't imagine art thieves being like nerds. Like you gotta have some game with the ladies, but. Clearly you don't. <sighs> that's pathetic. Okay. 
So two years have passed. Two years have passed, and Perugia finally makes an attempt to sell his treasure in December of 1913. Hmm. He uses the alias Leonard, and he sent a letter to a Florentine art dealer named Alfredo Gary. Alfredo Gary? (laughs) G-A-R-Y Gary? G-E-R-I. Okay, well, I'm I'm picturing a guy named Gary who eats Alfredo. (laughs) Makes sense. I'm actually picturing my Chick-fil-A manager, Gary, who I disliked very much, (laughs) eating Alfredo. Thanks for listening, Gary. But he sent a letter to alfredo who we're just gonna call him alfredo because i mean that is literally his first name and informed him that he had stolen the mona lisa and wanted to return it to italy alfredo he conferred with giovanni poggi director of the uffizi gallery alfredo invited perugia to come to florence and agreed to take a look at the painting a few days later the three men gathered in perugia's hotel room where he pulled out a mysterious object wrapped in red silk. Like, how dramatic can you be? Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, you know he's been dreaming of like this a... for like two years now. Like, gave him all a secret password. Someday yeah. I will have my big reveal. Yeah, that is one downside of like art thievery. Like, unless you have a buyer, like, you can't brag about it. You know, you can't nope. be like, it has to stay secret. Most crimes, if you want to get away with them, have to stay secret, which kind of sucks. That's why I don't do crime. Yeah. I'd want to talk about it. And Alfredo later wrote, we placed it on the bed, and to our astonished eyes, the divine Mona Lisa appeared, intact and wondrously preserved. So the two men from Florence immediately arranged for the painting to be taken to the Uffizi, the gallery, and they agreed to Perugia's 500,000 lira sales price, which equals $2.2 million today. Wow. How much did did, uh, they get it insured for in the 60s? A billion? Almost a billion. Almost a billion. Well, they actually didn't get it insured. They're like, nah, we good. We just want to see how much you valued it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's hard to insure something like that. Yeah. It's not like you can just buy a new one. <laughs> nope. Okay, so wow. I mean, that's a fair price, I think. Especially like, for a painting that's... that two years previously was not famous at all. No, it was just a painting. Certainly a I painting want... by Da Vinci, yeah. who was a big deal. But Da Vinci wasn't even, like, he was, like, you've got artist, right? And then mm-hmm. you've got da vinci who was i mean the term renaissance man come like he was a scientist he was an artist he was a poet he sculpted he philosophized he theorized like he was a mathematician like he was a genius right Mm -hmm. one of these guys that like changed how the world worked up there with like nikola tesla and, and just guys that like saw the world very differently and there are things, there are even things today that like still haven't been, like, like he came up with the helicopter before that, before people were flying. Like he's like, this could theoretically work. He drew the first, and this is one of the coolest things I, I think Da Vinci ever did. He drew a GPS like satellite map of Florence from the ground. Like he had no, no way of like see, but it was, it was perfect and to this day it still holds up like it's insane uh just the things he was capable of doing and then he's just like yeah i'll pick up a paintbrush and i'll paint this lady for 14 years so like my hand literally dies like he wasn't a painter i mean yeah like he painted and it turned out to be the most famous thing ever yeah so obviously it wasn't going to be this huge deal you know like when you've got guys like monet well you got uh, michelangelo who did the whole sistine chapel 
Yeah. Like the I, I've been in the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. It's like, astounding. Only for this to happen and it like the reason it's so big today is probably because of this. Literally okay. because of this instance, it became the Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm. So he agreed to the sale price of $2.2 million today. And they took the painting with them to verify it, make sure that it's the actual real Mona Lisa, not a fake, before they shell over all that money. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So the next day, he was waiting in his hotel room, got a knock on the door, and he's expecting his good friend, Pasta Man, to show back up. Instead, it's the authorities. Because on the afternoon of December 11th, the police arrested Perugia at his hotel. Shocker. <laughs> hey, yeah, we want to buy it, but we just want to check with our guy first that it's legit. So we're going to take it off your hands for a little bit. Don't worry. And don't worry. We'll be right back. We're totally going to bring it back. And we're not going to tell the, the police or anything. So you just you just wait right here. Don't go anywhere. <sighs> Man, people well, are stupid. We already know he's not the most brilliant person because he claims to have fallen in love with a woman in a painting. I mean, he had everything going for him in my book until that. He was cool. He he had means. He had motive. A motive I could get behind. You know, like I mean, I'm not Italian. I don't have any Italian in me, but. I could be like, yeah, I could see why an Italian person would get would want that painting back. Leonardo da Vinci is Italian. Restore and... the national glory. Yeah, so I could see that. Like, I could get behind that. He took it too far, man. So after a brief tour through da Vinci's homeland there in Italy, the Mona Lisa was finally returned to the Louvre in January of 1914. Our good friend Vinny was charged with theft and put on trial in Italy. During his testimony... He claimed that national pride had inspired him to steal the painting, which he believed had been looted and stolen from his native Italy during the Napoleonic era. So in his mind, he's like, Napoleon stole it. I was just stealing it back. What now, France? But as we've already discussed, that's absolutely not what happened. Yeah. At all. However, his patriotic defense won him legions of admirers all across the great country of Italy. So even after the prosecution ended, actually presented evidence that he planned to shop the painting around to art dealers and sell it for profit, many Italians still considered him to be a national hero. That's awesome. <laughs> in the That's end, Vinny was sentenced to one year and 15 days in prison. Easy time. Easy oh, time. Yeah. He served just seven months before winning his release on appeal. Oh, man. <laughs> That's Italian prison, man. Yeah, easy time. Eating pasta the whole time. Like, oh, yeah. He later fought in the Italian army during World War I before returning to France, where he died in 1925. Oh, man. While Vinny was eventually forgotten, his heist only made the Mona Lisa more famous. At least 120,000 people went to see the painting in the first two days after its return to the Louvre. Wow. Art lovers and critics launched into what was then fresh speculation about its subject's mysterious smile. And of course, it's been referenced in countless cartoons, advertisements, parodies, postcards, songs, you name it. There's one, a whole code. Yep, got a whole code about it. Uh, one author uh, and art historian uh, said that the Mona Lisa had left the Louvre as a work of art, but she returned as public property, the first mass art icon. Today, the world's most recognizable painting remains in the Louvre where it hangs in a climate-controlled box protected by bulletproof glass. It receives 8 million visitors every year. That's a lot. And that's the story of the Mona Lisa heist. That's cool. I didn't know that. I did not either yeah. until I randomly stumbled across an article about it. I went, nah, uh. 
that's cool also like easy time dude like if you hold on to it for a couple years try to sell it you're kind of stupid at that point you still get caught and at worst you get seven months in jail i'd steal something i'd steal i'd steal the mona lisa if it only meant seven months in jail i mean it wouldn't mean seven months i'd probably spend the rest of my life there yeah if i could i i hate though that he's like forgotten that's kind of cool yeah, he he did committed a crime. It's like a cool crime, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool crimes. We should be all okay with cool crimes. Well, I mean, it's not <laughs> that we should be okay with it. It's just as a society, we are okay with it. We yes, glor- yes, yes, we, we are. We glorify. I just said, like I I just told you, I've watched uh, Oceans, the Oceans trilogy, uh-huh. uh, a couple weeks ago because they're on Netflix again. And they're great movies, but they're about they're about people stealing millions of dollars. And we justify it because, oh, they're doing, it's like a Robin Hood complex sort of thing. But even Robin Hood was like more, it's gone from that to like, oh, he's, he's stealing for a good reason. And he's stealing from a bad person to they're just cool. Because even back then that was starting to happen, you know, with characters like Bonnie and Clyde in mm-hmm. the 20s. And um, well, that was more in the 30s. But still, I mean, wow. Okay. We got Babyface. You got like all the gangsters of the 1920s in, in the American cities. Yeah, uh, just kind of that whole rise. Um, Al Capone. You like you name it. We have a fascination with criminals, mm-hmm. which, which is very I interesting. Mean, I mean, right this instant, my wife is on the other side of this door in the living room watching Criminal Minds. I guarantee it. That's what she's doing. <laughs> I hate Criminal Minds, but that's beside the point. It's a, I'd say unhealthy fascination, but really it's an obsession, I think, culturally. Oh, it but is. Then real crime happens and you're like, oh man, crime hurts people. It's easy like, to be fascinated really a... when you're not affected. Yeah. And and I have to, like, I, I, you know, and we have all the proof in the world for this because like the biggest podcast in the world right now is My Favorite Murder. Those ladies are, you know, they do live shows to th- tens of thousands of people in the audience it's it's crazy and i've listened to a lot of their podcasts because i like i find it interesting like i'm I'm one of the people who is interested in it however i think it's because i don't understand it like it's a there's thought processes and the way the mind works and everything else that's completely foreign to me like i could not even begin to imagine myself doing any of the things that they would talk about in that podcast or or that's done in so many of the crime shows and whatever. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from is, well, that's so different. But we also know there are people who do it and like, how does that work? How do you get to that point in your life that this is a thing yeah. that you do? But it is a fascination and I don't think it's a healthy one. No, and it's it's unfortunate, especially in, in you know, we always say nice guy. This is also an insanely, like, supposed to be a pretty lighthearted podcast and i feel like this is a i got i'm glad we're talking about this but i was like wow this got really serious all of a sudden you never know what you're getting here on the midnight narwhals podcast everybody but i you and i have talked about this extensively like unfortunately nice guys finished last in society and to be if you don't have some sort of like rebel streak or bad boy persona you're viewed as like less than or like just uncool in general that's the damage that's being that's that's happening because we're glorifying criminals and bad behavior and stuff you know you used to have television shows like leave it to beaver i knew you were <laughs> gonna say leave it to beaver everyone uses that as the example i hate that okay show. that show is but, so I mean, boring i i don't like beaver cleaver and the okay fine the brady bunch how about then that's like that better. was like okay it is better it's still not great but we used to have shows like that and now we have breaking bad and yeah how do you get from 
the Brady Bunch to Breaking Bad. It's just decades of glorifying criminals. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's just interesting the the way we look at criminals and crime and and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I know this is very different from what we normally talk about on here. However, I I like I like getting into to some stuff like this when the opportunity arises. That sure, I think it's important sure. to have have these sorts of discussions about the subjects we're talking about. That there have been a couple other times when we did Kid Nation and and talking about the way we treat children and look at children, and even just the way that reality TV has shaped the way we think of other humans. Yeah, is it's crazy. You know, this we're not going to talk about that, but there are. I think there are discussions, and that is something that I think would be not a bad addition to our podcast going forward. That when we when the mood strikes, cool, let's go after it. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm definitely not opposed to that. I'd like that actually. Bring it. I think it adds some heart. Absolutely, and I. Yeah. You know, I, I think both of us we definitely have heart. We certainly have hearts that are pumping and beating. Yeah. But, you know, there's more than just laughter too. Sure. We're not. I'm not a laugh machine, even though sometimes it comes across that way. <laughs> as i laugh i yeah and i definitely wasn't expecting to have this conversation i thought the drugs would make me more like silly as opposed to like i'm pretty i'm really just like zoning out a lot and like then getting really introspective on a lot of things right now so but that's not a bad thing no no, we'll let you we'll we'll leave and let you go be high by yourself oh well i appreciate that i mean i won't be by myself my wife's here so she's gonna take care of me make sure i don't like go in a manic state start talking to the gremlins that aren't there well thank you for listening thank you for uh sharing the story it was great yeah i didn't know that about the mona lisa it was stolen and it was stolen returned yep well more episodes to come looking forward to it this has been episode number does it even matter at this point i don't think it does we didn't even decide on the episode last time because who knows i don't another episode it's here uh you're welcome I've been James. I remain Andy. And uh, good day. And good night.